0: Our second reading this morning uh, is from uh, where is it from? Revelation chapter three. I want to read verses one through six. Revelation three, verses one through six. And to the angel of the church of Sardis, write. This is Jesus, by the way, speaking. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed in white, And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you be present here by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you for speaking to John and for telling him to write down your words. We thank you that uh, by your providence, those words have been preserved for us down through all of these centuries. So, Lord, I pray this morning that we would hear your voice the way John heard your voice. I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Jesus said to the church at Sardis, I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. The church at Sardis may have been 50 or 60 years old. It was a mature church. It had a good reputation. It had a reputation for doing solid work in the kingdom of God. But it seemed that the church was resting on their laurels. It seems the church was coasting. Maybe the church was proud of what it had accomplished in an earlier generation. But it seems that the church was no longer adding to the good work that had been done in an earlier time. And so Jesus calls them a dead church. If a tree grows for 50 years, it can be very impressive. It may be the largest tree in the neighborhood, but if the heart of that tree is no longer alive, if that tree does not continue to grow, no matter how tall and beautiful it might have been, if the heart of the tree is no longer alive, the tree will fall and the day will come when it will be cut up and used as firewood. The same is true of churches. Lots of churches have done good work in the kingdom of God in one generation, only to have their doors closed in the, ne- in the next generation. To remain alive, a church must continue constantly to be renewed with each passing generation. One of the reasons that the Evangelical Presbyterian Church is so committed to church planting is because we know that for the church as a whole to remain vibrant, For the denomination to remain effective it is necessary to constantly and intentionally be doing a new work jesus said to the church at sardis i have not found your works complete in the sight of god in other words hey sardis you did some good work there for a while but you stopped before the job that was assigned to you was finished in ephesians 2 10 the apostle paul says we the church we are god's handicraft created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared for us in advance to do it's important for us to understand that god created the church the church is not a club it's not a human institution it is not a business God created the church in Jesus Christ and he created the church to do specific things and God prepared his schedule of works his agenda his list of the good works for each congregation to do and he prepared that list in advance Those of you who don't believe in predestination might have trouble with that. In advance, God prepared the works for us to do. In advance of what? In advance of our own salvation. In advance of the planting of the individual church. In eternity past, where's Charlene? I'm going to call you out. Nothing personal. Well, maybe it is personal. I love Charlene. In eternity past, before she was knit together in her mother's womb, God knew Charlene Crawford. And God said to himself, Charlene Crawford is going to be a woman after my own heart. She is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She is going to be a diva for God, and I have a great work for her to do. In eternity past, God knew that. In eternity past, before any of the founding members of Huntington Valley Church were born, and some of them were born in the 18th century, God knew that this church would be planted here on the side of Huntington Pike, and God said to himself, this will be a Bible-preaching church where my name is honored and where the gospel is faithfully preached to all kinds of people, and I have a great work for that little church to do. In eternity past, God knew that. God didn't save us just so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. He saved us to do his work in his kingdom until the day he returns, until that day when his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That day is not yet, okay, and we've got work to do. And all of that work is accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit, who inhabits us individually. okay, Each born-again person has the Holy Spirit living in their bodies. And also, the Holy Spirit inhabits the church corporately. All right, So we gather here in this room as the church. We actually did work as the church this morning by ordaining and by receiving members. Okay? We, we did that as a corporation. Holy Spirit was mixed up in that. The church is not the church without the Holy Spirit. The church is not a business. The church is not a club. We cannot accomplish anything that we're called to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the struggle. And yes, as long as we live in this world, we're going to have a struggle. The struggle is this. The flesh and the world are always, every day, constantly warring against the Spirit. All right? As long as we're in this life, your flesh and the world that we inhabit is warring against what the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish here. The Spirit keeps pushing us forward, but the flesh keeps slowing us down. The Spirit keeps lifting us higher, but the world keeps pulling us back to earth. In the Holy Spirit is our life. The Holy Spirit is what makes us alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit is what unites us to Christ. The Holy Spirit is what gives us new life and gives us abundant life. But if we quench the Spirit, if we do not allow ourselves to be daily renewed by the Spirit, if we try to operate in our own wisdom and our own strength, and this is a word to the officers of this church because this is the temptation of officers in the church. All right, anybody who's been called to be an elder or a deacon in this church has been identified, you know, from a fleshly point of view as being a competent person. The temptation is to think that you can do your church work out of your competence. You can't. You can run a business out of your competence. You can have a really great club out of your competence, but you can't can't run a church out of your competence. It's the Holy Spirit that makes that possible. If we try to operate in our own wisdom and in our own strength, and by the way, I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna push down this a little further. I've seen our session do really well, and I've seen our session do not so well. And when they've done well, They've not relied upon their own strength and they've been submitted to the Holy Spirit and amazing things have happened. And the other times, there was just conflict and blocking and things stopped. Be warned, okay? Be warned. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit that the work of the church is accomplished. It is not in our own strength and in our own competency. And if we try to live our lives, separated from God and by the way, individual Christians some of you who are not connected to the church, some of you who are like wandering around, you know, dipping into church every once in a while when you need a little recharge you have been called to not neglect the meeting of the saints, right, You've been called to be a regular part of a worshipping community. There's a reason Sunday comes once a week because you die took longer than once a week, all right? We, if we're followers of Christ, we need to be part of the body of Christ. This is why it's so joyful for me to see people make those those covenantal vows and those promises to become part of, of this particular congregation. I'm not saying this is the only congregation. There are lots of great congregations out there. But any follower of Christ needs to be embedded in a congregation. You need to be part of it. You need to not be separated from God, and you need to not be separated from the body of God, which is the church of Jesus Christ. If we do that, if we cut ourselves off from Christ, if we cut ourselves off from the body of Christ, then we become like a plant that's had its roots cut, and we droop, and we wither, We become like a hot air balloon when the flame goes out and it sags and it falls to the ground. If we cut ourselves off from the source of our life and our strength, it doesn't matter how tall or how strong we once were. It doesn't matter what we accomplished in some other generation. If our root is cut, we will fall. And it doesn't matter how high we once flew. If the flame goes out, we will come back to earth. So the church at Sardis was a church that had accomplished good things. It was a a church with a reputation that it could be proud of. And even so, the church at Sardis had become a dead church. Now, before you panic and think, oh my goodness, Jesus is writing this church off. He's saying they're dead, they have no hope. Keep in mind that Jesus is in the resurrection business, okay? The gospel is all about resurrection. Anyone who has been born again has been raised from the dead spiritually. In the early service this morning, we had our cattle trough out there. We have the most elegant baptismal font in Huntington Valley. It is a it is a galvanized steel cattle trough. And we, we brought it out here and we dunked those people. And part of the symbolism of that dunking is they're going down into the grave and rising again with Christ. Amen. To be born again is to be raised to new life. To be born again is to be resurrected spiritually. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he writes to Christians, to converted people at Ephesus, he writes, as for you, Christians, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but because of his great love for us, God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved and god raised us up in christ for it is by the power by it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourself the faith is not from yourself it is a gift of god i don't know if you've studied that passage that is ephesians chapter 2 okay if you haven't studied ephesians chapter 2 you need to read it when you go home today The gospel is presented there. If you want to understand what the gospel is, read Ephesians chapter 2. Here's the the point that Paul is making. Before we were in Christ, we were dead. We were spiritually dead. We were zombies. I mean, the body was still walking around, but our spirits were dead. We were incapable of making ourselves spiritually undead. Because spiritually dead people don't spiritually fix themselves. Because spiritually dead people don't spiritually heal themselves. Because spiritually dead people don't even walk to the doctor to get some help because they're dead. Dead people don't do anything. Was that clear? If you're spiritually dead, you do not do anything to make yourself undead because dead people can't do anything. But when Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus, who was dead and stinking, Jesus says to him, Lazarus, come out of there. And a dead man comes back to life and he walks out of that tomb. And when Jesus takes the hand of Jairus' daughter, who lay dead in a bed, and he says to her, little girl, get up. She gets up and has something to eat. Anybody who is born again already has been raised from spiritual death, not by an act of their will, but by the sovereign grace and mercy of Almighty God who resurrects dead people. Amen. And what God can do for individuals, he also can do for churches, by the way, institutionally. Listen to what Jesus says to the dead church at Sardis. He says, wake up, <clears throat> strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete In the sight of my God, remember what you received and heard, keep it and repent. Remember what you heard and received. What's that? What had they heard and received? Well, what they had heard and received was the gospel. The gospel by, by which they were converted. The gospel which saved them in the first place. As Christians we need to keep hearing and remembering and receiving the gospel. The gospel isn't only for people who are not yet saved. The gospel isn't only for people who are on their way to Christ. The gospel is the bread of life that we who are in Christ need to keep feasting on weak after week we need to keep eating the gospel the gospel raised us from the dead for sure but the gospel then keeps us alive and by the way in case you don't know it preachers need to keep preaching the gospel to themselves pastor bruno you gotta keep preaching it to yourself and i need you to preach it to me as well the truth by which we are saved is the truth by which we continue to grow and by which we remain alive. We need to be in love with the gospel. We need to never take that good news for granted. We need to hear it fresh every week. We need to dig into the depths of the riches like a feast and it will feed our spirits and it will keep us alive and it will allow us to be vibrant in Christ until that day when Christ returns for us in glory. Jesus said to the dead church at Sardis, keep it and repent. Keep the gospel. Yes, the gospel contains a law. Keep the law of the gospel. It's the law of love. The law of the gospel is that we love God above all things, above all else, and that we love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. Well, who's our neighbor? everyone okay. you're not a Christian if you're not loving everyone I don't mean to be unkind about that Okay. two parts of the law love God above all things and love all people as much as you love yourself it's not optional it's not an add on for advanced Christians that is the Christian life A life of properly ordered love. And when we live in that love, we are alive in Christ. And when we are alive in Christ, guess what else happens? We repent. Now maybe you think, oh, I repented when I came to Christ. I repented when I got myself born again. Well, listen to this. And this goes back to Martin Luther at the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. The life of a Christian is a life of lifelong repentance. We keep repenting. Yes, all of our sins are paid by Christ on the cross of Calvary. But we still in the flesh live. We still in this world live. And so we must repent daily. The word repent means to turn back to God. We must keep turning back to God. We must constantly engage in this lifelong battle against our own flesh and against the spirit of this world. Listen, if you're not fighting your flesh, then the flesh won. Some of you are struggling with your flesh. And i take that as an encouragement that tells me that the holy spirit's alive in you those of you who are not fighting your flesh you're not converted okay if you are a born-again christian and you have the holy spirit living inside of you you will war with your flesh each day you'll war with your selfishness you'll war with your anger you'll war with your lust it's going on in your body then there are the things in the world. Those has to do with systems of injustice. Okay? We war with that too. If we, have, if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. When we are alive in Christ, we repent. The life of a Christian is a life of lifelong repentance. <clears throat> Part of our mission statement here at Huntington Valley Presbyterian Church, uh, you came on. Under it, there's a sign as you come into the entrance, and it's it's up there. It's all very pretty. Who did that, by the way? Who? Jenny. Jenny Jenny, Girardi. Where's Jenny? Oh, it's so pretty. I was just admiring it the other day. How well it was done. She lettered that thing for us. But one of the lines in uh, one of the lines in there says that we are a fellowship of sinners. Now, maybe you thought the people at church were not sinners. I don't know where you heard that. I've never been in a church that didn't have sinners in it. We are a fellowship of sinners, and we say that out loud because we recognize that though we are in Christ, we are in a constant and ongoing battle with our flesh. We are in a constant and ongoing need to be turning back to Christ. Christians continue to sin, but our response to sin is not to march in a parade celebrating our sin. Rather, our response to sin is to repent of that sin and to run back to Christ. And we do it day after day. Until that day, when Christ returns, and our fallen sinful nature will be gone. It will be something of the past. The day will come. We're not going to fight this fight anymore. We'll be with Jesus on that day, and I'm looking forward to that day. But until that day, we need to fight the battle. The day will come when we will be free from sin. But until that day, repentance is the way of life for a Christian. Look at the time. It was worse in the first service. Pastor Bruno was going on and on and on. Like, he, you know, he just gets cranked up. And you know, he doesn't use a manuscript, so he doesn't even know how long he's gone. Like, I'm, da- I'm down to page 17. I know I better start s- stopping. Not page 17. It's only page 10. <laughs> So let me ask you about your own spiritual condition this morning. Is it possible that you are a Christian with a good reputation like the church at Sardis? Is it possible that at one time you were hard, hard at work in the kingdom of God but that now you're just resting on your laurels or you're just rehashing the old times? Are you a large and noble tree that is actually dead on the inside? <clears throat> Are you just waiting for that next storm to blow you over? When you were saved, God saved you to accomplish works that he had prepared beforehand for you. Have you accomplished what God called you to do? By the way, the list is finite. You don't get an infinite list of things. to do. You have a finite list of things to do. One of the great privileges that I have being the long-serving pastor of a mature church is that I have known many saints who are much older than me. I've had the privilege of being with people who are beyond 80 and beyond 90 and beyond 100 and are still at work in the kingdom of God. The work changes with time. People who are 90 do different kinds of work in the kingdom than people who are 30. But if you're alive, then Jesus has something for you to do. So are you doing what Jesus called you to do? Are you remembering and holding to the gospel that was so wonderful when you first understood it and believed it? How precious did that grace appear the hour we first believed? You remember those lines from Amazing Grace. Do you need to repent and return to your first love? I've got a whole other section to this sermon. We're not going to preach it. (coughs) Let's join our hearts together in prayer. (coughs) Father God, seal to us the truth of your words. Keep us alive. By the presence of your spirit, this we pray in Jesus' name.